Welcome to the Money is Emotional podcast with Christine Lukin, the Financial Dignity Coach. In this podcast, we help you recover a positive and peaceful relationship with your personal finances. We do this by bringing together wise money management with emotional intelligence. Join us for this journey where we navigate our relationship with money as Christine Lucan draws from years of experience and guest experts to help you get to the root of your money issues. Hello and welcome to Money is Emotional with your host, Christine Lucan. Christine, what's going on? Oh, well, I am enjoying sunny Florida, which is a lot of fun. Yes. And I heard on your drive, you listened to a few podcasts, right? You and your, you and your father are down there. Yes. Yeah. Well, he was a big part of the, the first episode, so I wanted him to hear that one and he wanted to keep on listening and he gave you two thumbs up as oh. my co-host. Well, nice. Shout out to dad. What's up, dad? <laughs> that <laughs> is fantastic. That. Yeah, I, I love it. Um, I'm so excited that you get to spend time with him down there out of the cold, right? I mean, that's that's yes. one of the reasons you're down there. And, you know, other thing is to spend time with him. So that is fantastic. Um, yeah. As much as we like your dad, we didn't come to talk about him. What are we talking about today? No. Yeah. So today's episode is a little dramatic. It's called, Is My Spouse Hiding Money From Me? Okay. You've mentioned this before, just kind of touched on it a little bit, but now we're diving in. This is going to be very, very interesting. Uh, is, is this a big issue? I mean, is this something that you know, you're know you seeing in, in the folks that you're working with? Well, you know, the stats say that 37% of people keep at least one financial secret from their partner. Hmm. And if your relationship is on the rocks, and if you have been talking divorce, then you really should be on high alert for this yeah. big time. Yeah. I mean, I would assume so just because uh, I would label it as fear, right? I, I think that people would start doing mm -hmm. this out of fear if they're in a situation like that. Am I on track or is there other reasons? Yes. Yeah. And I think before we dive into what are the signs of my spouse possibly hiding money from me or where they might be hiding money, especially in a impending divorce situation, we really need to have some disclaimers before okay. we jump into this. Probably a good idea. Yes. So the first disclaimer is that, you know, the point of this episode is not to cultivate suspicion or fear, especially if you have a very happy, healthy marriage. So this isn't, you know, you listen to this and be like, oh my gosh, like maybe I'm being naive. We're going to talk about some of the signs that should kind of trigger like, hey, maybe I should be worried. But this is not to create suspicion. Okay. Uh, you know, this is more for the person who knows that they're probably going to be exiting this relationship and they have some concerns that maybe their spouse is being a little shady and maybe they should be concerned mm. that this person is hiding money from them. Mm -hmm. The other disclaimer I want to make is that secret money is different from separate money. And what I mean by that is you and your spouse or partner might have decided 
to keep some of your money separate on purpose. Mm-hmm. Now, sometimes there are situations where one partner gets a large inheritance and they want to keep that in a separate account. And yes, they will pull from it and use it for the benefit of the relationship. But you know, if something happens to them, maybe that money doesn't go entirely to their spouse. Maybe some of it, you know, goes to other family members and they've decided to keep some of that separate. Or like in the situation with my husband and I, we keep some of our spending money separate. And that's not because we're keeping secrets from each other. It's just because, you know, we've decided on the amount and it's like, look, here's your spending money. I literally don't care what you do with this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can spend all of it on shoes. You know, he can spend all of it on electronics and we're not nitpicking. It It basically ensures that we don't fight about some of those little things because I may not find value in the things that he wants to use his spending money for and vice versa. But as long as we've agreed on the amount, it really doesn't matter what we're spending it on. Yeah. But there's really no secrets there. Like if he really wanted to know, I would tell him and vice versa. So, you know, that's disclaimer number two. Now, disclaimer number three, I really hope I don't need to say this, but I feel like I have to say this. If you're listening to this podcast because you want to hide money from your spouse, shame on you. (laughs) The only time I will ever say that. (laughs) Turn this episode off now. Yeah. 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 We're not trying to help people do this. Come on. No, no, no. But you never know, right? Drew. No, very, very true. (laughs) All right. So let me just ask you this. I mean, you already spoke about divorce, but why Mm -hmm. would a spouse begin hiding money unless it was for that one point? Do you have other thoughts on that? Yeah. Well, a lot of times it boils down to a trust issue. Mm. So, you know, in the first episode, we talked quite a bit about my previous relationship with Mm -hmm. Jeff and how we fought a lot about the finances. He was very irresponsible. He wanted to do reckless and irresponsible things with our money, my money, like spending rent money on weed. True story. Mm. And so I hid money from him as sort of like a self-preservation. I didn't trust him. Yeah. If I told him we had this money, he would figure out a way to spend it. And so I would hide and save some money so that we had a cushion in case of an emergency. Now, because my finances were such a disaster, that was kind of a sporadic thing. But the few times that I was able to do it, I would kind of hoard this little bit of savings. I wouldn't tell him about it. I'd lie to him and say I didn't have any money. Mm -hmm. And then something would happen and I would be like, oh, thank God I have this money. And then I would pay it. And then he'd find out and then he'd be mad. And I'm like, why are you mad? I've got the money to pay for this. (laughs) Now we can fix the car and we can both get to work. But it was really because I did not trust him. So there are situations where this dynamic plays out like there's a responsible responsible money person and then you usually have this other person who just wants to be wild and out of control with the money 
And that really creates this like parent-child dynamic in the personal finances. And Mm -hmm. so the responsible person may hide things and or not tell the other person that money's coming in because they feel like they can't trust that person to do the right thing. Yeah. And I got to say something because, you know, it's, it's funny how the human brain works, but when you said that he wanted to spend your rent money on weed, yeah, he did. First thing that flashed in my head is the three little pigs. <laughs> I know. And here's why. Because the first pig, what, was is straw, built a house out of straw. The second one out of sticks. Bottom line is if Jeff is trying to build your house out of weed and the big bad wolf comes and, and burns the thing down, <laughs> you're just going to sit around eating Doritos, right? If he's, if he's burning down a house yes. of weed, <laughs> everybody's just sitting there got the munchies. So oh, nobody, yeah, wins. Exactly. nobody wins. Nobody wins. Because then you can't even afford the Doritos, right? Well, you know, of course he had this grand plan, like... I'm going to buy this weed. I'm going to sell most of it and I'm going to keep some for myself and then we'll actually make money. But of course he was like, quote unquote, selling it to his friends who also had no money. So that never worked out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he was he was not the brightest bulb in the package. We'll just say that. <laughs> That's a good thing. We can laugh at this, right? Yeah. Yeah. We can always, you know, look back on it and laugh. Cause... Yeah. Well, and Besides the trust issue, other reasons that, you know, are kind of outside divorce, some people will hide money because of suspected infidelity Mm. and or substance abuse. So many times if, you know, someone has a drinking problem or a drug problem, they may be hiding the fact that they're spending money on stuff like this, right? So there might be like, large cash withdrawals from accounts. There might be cash advances on credit cards so that the other spouse doesn't really know what they're spending the money on, but they're obviously spending money on something Mm -hmm. that they don't want them to know about. So I have seen those situations as well. Yeah. And so, you know, if divorce is not looming and you feel like there's this underlying trust issue. Either I don't trust you to do the right thing or you're the other person feeling like your spouse doesn't trust you and you want to fix that, then you really want to get some marriage counseling around those issues. Yeah. Because it doesn't necessarily have to lead to divorce. Now, If you are in the situation where you're already, you've already talked about divorce or even thought about divorce, I want to talk about some signs that your spouse or partner might be hiding money from you. If they avoid talking about money or they avoid answering your questions about money, that can be a big red flag where Mm -hmm. you're trying to engage in these conversations and they don't want to talk about it. That's one of the big red flags. Another red flag is you not being able to access financial institution information. So, you know, you log on to your bank of America account or whatever, and all of a sudden the password's changed 
Yeah. And you can't get it reset. Um, You may find that statements, paper statements, all of a sudden stop coming to the house. Mm. Right. So uh, many times in a relationship, there's like one person that takes the lead on like the day-to-day management of the finances. And that's pretty normal. You know, they pay the bills, they check the accounts, et cetera. You know, even in a healthy relationship, like with my husband and I, I manage a lot of the day-to-day stuff. However, we have conversations usually at least weekly about what's going on with the money, anything out of the ordinary. But if all of a sudden you realize, like if you're the person that's not got your head in the day-to-day stuff, you all of a sudden notice credit card statements aren't coming to the house anymore. Bank Mm -hmm. statements aren't coming to the house anymore. Investment account statements aren't coming to the house anymore. There may be a good reason for that. Yeah. Well, I I remember years ago, one of our friends, she was actually talking quite openly about this, that she should have known the red flags that she was seeing because her husband was getting defensive about Mm. uh, asking about money and, hey, didn't we have, you know, such and such and it was because he was doing something wrong. He had a gambling issue. So he was losing money and he didn't want to admit it. There was a lot of shame there, I'm sure, and, and so on and so forth. And maybe even a feeling of being out of control. You know, when somebody has an addiction, whether it's gambling or like you had said, you know, alcohol or drugs or whatever, there is a certain amount of shame that comes with that. So just having casual conversations, then somebody gets really defensive. Is that something else you have seen? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, the other sign I wanted to talk about, which is closely related to this, is large ATM withdrawals or mm. cash advances start happening without any reasonable sort of explanation. You know, it's yeah. not like they're taking the money out because they're paying the contractor who's building your deck in the backyard. Mm-hmm. It's just like, wow, all of a sudden I'm seeing withdrawals of, you know, $500, $1,000 in there's no explanation for that, or this is not something that has always happened. And really, the gold nugget is don't ignore these signs. If some of this stuff is going on, you need to pay attention Mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Now, people are probably thinking, okay, so where are they hiding this money? (laughs) And, um, (laughs) we're going to talk about, you know, kind of several different pieces of this. I want to talk first about where spouses might hide income. Okay. And you might think, well, how could they hide income? You know, they're just, they're working a traditional job. Their paycheck is automatically put into the joint account. Mm -hmm. But if your spouse is traditionally employed, they can split deposit their paycheck So most employers allow you to divide your paycheck deposit between at least two accounts. You know, when I worked in HR and I mean, gosh, this was like 10, 12 years ago, we had many employees who would have like two or 300 bucks go into a savings account and then they would have the rest of it go into their checking account. That was a normal thing. Yeah. Yeah. But that could be used to purposely hide money from your spouse. Like if you get a raise, you might say like, oh, okay, well maybe like, let's just have the same amount that's always gone into this account and then we'll put the extra over here and then I'll get to do what I want with that Mm -hmm. one over here. 
The other thing that they could do, especially if they know that divorce is coming, right? You've already retained an attorney and you're working with someone. If your boss comes to you and says, hey, congratulations, you did great this year. We're going to pay you out this bonus of $10,000. You might say to your boss, can you wait and pay me that money after my divorce is final? Or Mm. can you wait and not give me that raise? Because if you give me that raise now, before I go to court, that's going to be worked into my spousal support, my child support. That's not uncommon. Wow. Yeah. Now, business owning spouses have way more places to hide income than traditionally employed folks do. Mm -hmm. Because you have more control of how you recognize and the timing of expenses and income. So I have seen people do things like accepting like off the books sales, you know, like, Hey, if you pay me in cash, I'll give you a discount. Mm -hmm. And of Mm -hmm. course, you know, the person that's buying from the business is like, Oh yeah, this is great. I'll pay in cash. And then that never gets recorded in the accounting that just goes in the person's pocket. The other things I've seen are people purposely overpaying vendors and even the IRS to make it seem like their income is lower. Hmm. So how because do, they how know they're going to get that back. Okay. So if they overpay a vendor, then the vendor just gives them the overage back separately. Or they'll just say like, Hey, you've got a, you know, you've got a credit with us. That's, oh, that's totally fine. You know, like, Hey, you overpaid this account and be like, yeah, that's fine. Just put our future invoices against it. But then it would make that month, that year mm-hmm. look like you had lower income. The other thing that people could do is hold off on accepting orders or accepting payments. Like they might hold a check. You know, maybe you're, you had a client that owed you $40,000 and you got it December 15th. They might be like, I'm not going to cash that until next year mm-hmm. because my business income by the time I go to court, they're just going to be looking at this calendar year end and that big check. We're not going to put that on the books until next year. So I've seen people do that as well. If you are divorcing someone that owns a business, that owns a law practice, that owns a medical practice, and you suspect this may be going on, I highly recommend that you retain a forensic accountant Mm -hmm. because they will be able to go in and find this kind of stuff, especially if your spouse or partner's business has traditionally done very well. And just in the last year or so supposedly hasn't. Got it. Like they may say like, well, I just want to warn you, you know, business hasn't been as great the past year or two. So you're not going to get as much money from me as you think. That's going to be a huge red flag. Mm. Excuse me. Yes, you. Thank you so much for listening to the Money is Emotional podcast. We hope you're enjoying it so far. If you have any questions or would like to talk more about this topic, you can find us at www.christine.com 
lucan.com. And all of our social media platforms are listed in the show notes. So now, where might spouses actually hide cash or other assets? Some of the things I've seen are like buying gift cards or getting cash back off of the joint account. So let's say, for example, you go to the grocery store, right? You can get cash back every time you go to the grocery store if you want to. Mm -hmm. So somebody could do that over a period of time and get 20, 30, 40, 50 bucks cash back every time they go grocery shopping. And chances are the spouse probably isn't going to question that. They're going to be like, I mean, they might say like, oh my gosh, why are our groceries so high? And you'd just be like, inflation. Oh, it's inflation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So so uh, I'm going to interject here because I think you and I've talked about this before. I do this. I have yeah. done this. Yeah. Um, now, not for nefarious reasons, but. Oh, uh, sure. My, my, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Confession. I feel like I'm laying on a couch now. So let me tell you when I was, when I was 19. No, but when my wife is fantastic with the books, right? She's, she's mm-hmm. great with our personal finances. We have a joint account. We have a couple different savings accounts and so on and so forth. And we're very much both involved in it, but absolutely like I'm, I'm hitting the home Depot. I'm hitting Lowe's. I'm getting 20 bucks here, 20 bucks there. But the purpose is because I know that if I spend money on the account, it's not like she's watching me, but she will see, for instance, we just had our wedding anniversary this couple weeks ago. And I bought her something from a chocolatier. I've never been to a chocolatier before. But <laughs> I was, it was amazing to walk in. There was like a, a Willy Wonka's factory. It was crazy. Sounds um, wonderful. It was great. It was fantastic. So they have these little chocolate penguins and penguins are her favorite animal of all time. And they were just adorable. So I bought a couple of them. Unfortunately, I didn't carry my cash because I actually wasn't planning on going to the store. I just happened to have some time to kill while I was getting tires on my truck. So. I'm walking around. I find this chocolatier. I'm like, oh, this would be fantastic. So I had to use my card. She's like, yeah. did you did you spend something? I, you know, I saw this thing. I've never seen a store like this before. And luckily, it didn't say chocolatier. It had some other fancy name. But she knows that kind of stuff. And that doesn't yeah. bother me at all. I was like, oh, yeah, you picked up something. And luckily, it was the same day. So I just gave it to her. But uh, <laughs> the thing is, is that if I want to spend something, if I want to buy a gift for her, I don't feel like I have to hide money, but that's one way that I accumulate a little bit of cash so that when we do have an event, we do have something that I want to you know, spend some special money for. Um, she doesn't see a charge on the account. I don't shop on Amazon for that. I shop locally as much right. as I can, right? Yeah. So there's good ways and bad ways or good reasons and bad reasons, but I think we're leaning more toward the bad reasons on this. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not what I'm talking about. If you're squirreling away a little bit of cash because you don't want your, you, you truly want a surprise your spouse for their birthday, for Christmas, anniversary. By the way, happy anniversary. Oh, thank you. That's not what we're talking about here. This is more like I am trying to accumulate this cash because I want it just for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you're basically taking it from joint money to this is just my money. The other thing that I've seen is... Buying and collecting assets that are, quote unquote, like a hobby. Hmm. You know, you might look at your spouse's motorcycle parts, you know, vintage motorcycle parts as glorified scrap metal that's taking up room in your garage. When in reality, 
that stuff can be worth a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And sometimes people will ramp up their collecting if divorce is being talked about because they know the other person doesn't want that stuff. Wow. Wow. Hmm. And so this could be a variety of things. I mean, it could be a coin collection. It could be the vintage motorcycle parts. It could could be Beanie Babies. You know, but it's typically something that the other person thinks of like, eh, it's kind of a waste of money. That's like, that's their weird thing. I don't really like it. I don't really want any of that. But it could be worth a good sum of money. Mm -hmm. And so that's one way where I've seen people you know, try to funnel the money from the joint funds into something that is, quote unquote, just theirs. Uh, the other thing that I've seen, a lot of people don't know this, if you open up a college savings account for your child, the parent that opens it up is the custodian, and that account is not considered marital assets. Really? Yes. So... A spouse, if they know divorce is coming, and maybe they e haven't even told their spouse, I want a divorce, they could go and open up a college savings account in their child's name. That asset would not be considered part of the divorce assets. And if they wanted to, they could cash it out early, of course, with the penalty. But that would still be a way for them to basically remove money from the hands of their spouse. Yeah. It's perfectly that, legal wow. to do this. Wow. I mean, that's, <laughs> yeah. Cause I'm, I'm thinking, you know, somebody, they have a two year plan, they put in 15 grand each year, they got $100,000 in there, and then they have this divorce. Well, who wouldn't gladly pay 10% of 100 grand to get $90,000 that your, your spouse doesn't get at all? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So now, unfortunately, I don't think the college accounts will let you sock that much aside. But yeah, I found that to be very interesting because yeah. before I really dove into the whole divorce world and really helping a lot of clients with this divorce stuff, you know, that was kind of a shock to me that, hey, this is a place where people potentially hide money. You know, the other thing that happens is if someone does have cash, they could just have a friend, boyfriend, girlfriend, family member physically hold on to the cash for them. You know, mm -hmm. either they're squirreling it away at their house for them or maybe even putting it into an account where they're just having somebody else hold on to that money. I've actually seen the flip side of this where someone did this to get out of an abusive relationship. So there can actually be some good and practical applications of some of this stuff. Mm -hmm. If you are being abused, financially controlled, you know, your spouse isn't giving you access to money. I actually had a former client who the way that she was able to pay for her divorce is every time she went to the grocery store, she would get cash back and she gave that money to her mom until she got enough money to pay for her attorney. Wow. And that was how she got out of that abusive relationship. Yeah, that's terrible. I know.
I know. <sighs> now let's talk about some of the places where people just like actually hide cash, right? So maybe they've been squirreling away some cash and they're just trying to hide it from you. If your new mattress is lumpy on your spouse's side, <laughs> there could be some cash in there. <laughs> yes, there might be. <laughs> so guess what? The number one spot for hiding cash is the number one spot. Yes. Like physically the number one, yeah, like physical um, space. I have no idea. I mean, in their shoes, I have no idea. <laughs> it's actually in the drop ceiling. What? Yes. Like people have drop ceilings in their house. Yeah. Like, you know, if you've got like a finished basement, it's got a drop ceiling or okay, like right. maybe in an office space. Yeah. I heard this from a very prominent divorce attorney in Cincinnati. And he said, if you have a drop ceiling in your house, that's the first place you should check. Yeah. If you yep. think your spouse is hiding money from you. And I was like, really? And he's like, yep. Right yeah, above your head. Yeah. We, we, uh, <laughs> my wife and I love the show justified and that yes. was, uh, uh, Boyd Crowder. That's one of the things he did. He, I just thought about that right in the drop ceiling. Just pick up that tile, stuff that stuff in there, drop the tile. Nobody ever sees it. Yep. Yeah. Uh, you know, this one probably is kind of cliche, but the briefcase. Okay. I had a woman who, you know, her, she was basically a stay at home mom for many, many years. Mm -hmm. Her and her husband were talking divorce. He was you know, basically in charge of the finances because he was the one bringing in the money. And while we were coaching together, she had already retained her attorney because I work with people in all stages. Sometimes I will be working with people like right when the divorce is happening or right mm -hmm. when the divorce is filed. Sometimes it's a little later in the process, but this, this woman, it was right in the beginning. She texted me pictures she went out to the car, to his car, and opened it up. His briefcase was in there. She opened up the briefcase. There was $4,000 of cash mm. in his briefcase. There was also a checkbook for an account that she didn't know about that had his name only on it. And so I told her, I said, you need to take a picture of this right now. Yeah. And you need to text it to your attorney. So it's got you know, date stamp and all that good stuff. I said, don't take any of it, you know, just close it, put it back. But this needs to be documented. Sometimes people will hide it at their place of business. You know, if they're not, not working at home, you know, that's kind of like their quote unquote, their space that their spouse is usually not in. So it could be in their desk at work or some other place that they've decided to stash it at work. I mean, sometimes it's just a lot of times I see like the physical places will be places where you don't think your spouse is going to be rummaging around in. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times it is things like for men, it can be like toolboxes, golf bags, you know, their hunting duffel bag, maybe just in the car, you know, mm -hmm. if like, hey, this is my car. You never drive this. I'm just going to put it in an envelope and lock it in the glove box. I've seen that too. One of the most innovative places I heard of a woman hiding money was in a tampon box. 
yeah. Because as you know, men are repelled by those things. They don't want to go there. I've purchased some of those, uh, but never opened one. (laughs) So that makes sense. Yeah. Yep. She hit it in the bottom and she said, I knew he would never, ever look in there. And it was hiding (laughs) in plain sight. (laughs) So like pretty much anywhere they don't think you're going to look. And, you know, there also can be hidden debt as well. So sometimes it's not hiding cash or income or things that are worth money. It could be debt as well. And so especially for people who are going through divorce, I highly recommend that they run their credit as soon as possible so they can see potentially are there any accounts out there that I'm not aware of? Because mm-hmm. sometimes there will be opening of new accounts yeah. without the other person's knowledge. And the other thing too is 401k loans. Because oh, yeah. if I'm traditionally employed or my husband's traditionally employed, we don't need each other's permission to take out a 401k loan. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it kind of does two things right? You've, you've basically taken some cash out that could potentially be hidden if the attorney doesn't do a good due diligence, right? Because many times we may not be aware of what the balance in our spouse's 401k is. So we don't really know what's normal. So if they took out like a $10,000 or even a $50,000 loan, we may not know what the balance is. So when we find out what it is, we may not have a reference point to say like, oh, that seems way lower. You know, even though the stock market's down, I don't think it should be that low. And then we never dig into it. And then it also lowers the amount of assets. So if you've got one spouse that's been working the whole time, one spouse that's been staying home with the kids, then you may end up seeing, you know, that person might be like, okay, my spouse has no idea what's in my 401k. I'm going to take out a $50,000 loan. And then basically that reduces the amount of the marital assets and kind of squirrels it away and protects it. The other thing it does is it now that you have a 401k loan payment, it makes it look like your income is lower. Because now you're making this payment every paycheck towards that 401k loan. Got it. Wow. Yeah. So let me, so, let me ask you this. You, you mentioned a forensic accountant earlier. And I just yeah. want to touch on that. Is that something that you, you recommend or you've seen couples do where, hey, as part of this agreement or part of going through the divorce, they both need to agree for a forensic accountant to go over both of their scenarios? Do you see that? You know, honestly... This usually happens when there's high income, high net worth, Mm -hmm. and there's been one person that is not being cooperative and they're usually the main breadwinner. So I usually see this in situations where the wife has been stay at home. She hasn't really been plugged into the finances and the husband is not being forthcoming with the information to the attorneys, there seems like there's suspicious things going on. Usually the forensic accountant comes in when we suspect there is something shady going on. 
Yeah. Yeah. Usually when people are communicative and they've both been plugged into the finances and they're both forthcoming with all the financial information, that's usually not necessary. But in a situation where you suspect something and, you know, your spouse owns a law practice or a medical practice Mm -hmm. or a small business or a big business, that can be a time when you really need something like that. Yeah. So as we wrap up today, I just want to reiterate that my goal is not to create suspicion in happy marriages, Mm. but this can be super vital information for our divorcing listeners who want to protect their financial future. And if that's not you, you probably know somebody who's thinking about divorce or who is going through divorce that they may find some benefit here in this episode. Yep, absolutely. All right. So what what about folks that may be looking at this entire situation or maybe they're concerned about, maybe they haven't even really spoken about divorce, but this is something that maybe they see on the horizon possibly. Um, yeah. I know that you, like you said, you work with people in all sorts of stages. Um, how do they yeah. get a hold of you so they can just kind of start a conversation maybe? Yeah, absolutely. They can shoot me an email at hello at christinelukin.com. Uh, they can also go to my website, which is just my name, christinelukin.com, and they can set up an appointment to chat with me right there on the website. And we actually have a little gift. Oh, all right. For people today. So the first three people who email me at hello at christinelukin.com will get a signed copy of Financial Dignity After Divorce. So if you just want to write divorce book or something similar in the subject line, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you don't happen to be the first three people that get through, uh, we're going to link up the Amazon page for the book. So if you don't make it in the first three and you still want to get a copy, uh, that one's in paperback. It's on Kindle. It's also on Audible as well. If one of our first three people that get through are in our international audience, I will send you an electronic copy. So can't be spending $100 in shipping for (laughs) for an international book sale. (laughs) We're talking to you people in Abu Dhabi. Yes. Hey, you never know. You never know. You never know. Everybody needs this information. (laughs) Absolutely. Christine, this has been fantastic. Interesting. Uh, Yes. Not an easy subject, but boy, that's that's a tampon box now. Still still thinking about that. (laughs) We talk about some weird stuff, don't we? Yeah. uh, I've got an appointment with the tampon box here in a few minutes just to check, just to make sure that there's not a squirrel putting money in there. That's so funny. All right. She'd be like, that was your Christmas money. It is now. <laughs> now you've ruined. Now you've ruined your surprise. You're getting nothing from Santa. <laughs> well, that's not the box I want to unwrap for my gifts. <laughs> Anywho. All right, Christine, again, thank you so much. And of course, to you, the listening audience, thank you for tuning in and listening to the Money is Emotional podcast with Christine Lucan. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, I don't know why, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Christine comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And we humbly ask that you share this podcast, rate it, and leave a review, as this actually does help others find the show. And that's kind of the point of what Christine does, is to help folks and get them this information. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Money is Emotional, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. 
Thank you for listening to the Money is Emotional podcast. To get in touch, visit our website at www.christinelucan.com or drop us a line at hello at christinelucan.com. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Christine Lucan. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing or tax advice. Always seek the advice of your advisor, tax professional, or other qualified financial professional with any questions you may have regarding your personal finances.